What's up, everybody? Welcome into NSN Daily. It is October 24th. I'm filling in for Brian Samudio this afternoon alongside my co-host, Chris Murray. We have a lot to talk about today. We finally know who Reno 1868 will be playing in the opening round of the USL playoffs. Some more Nevada football breakdown and a feature on Kayla Ofoa from Wolfpack All Access this week. But I think we should just dive right into this one. Nevada taking on Wyoming this weekend. Um, pretty banged up coming off a tough road loss to Utah State. Chris, what do you think they need to do? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of injuries, and that's not something Nevada's faced a ton of so far this season, so it'll be interesting to see how they do respond to it. You're missing your left tackle and Jake Nelson, broken arm. You're missing Cam Toomer, uh, ankle surgery out for the season. You're missing Lucas Weber, a starting linebacker and captain, ankle surgery out for the season. And then Daniel Brown, the best cornerback uh, on the team, still dealing with concussion issues, so we don't know if he will play. Kelton Moore, a key running back, uh, also has an ankle injury and is questionable against Wyoming, so it will be interesting to see how they react. Uh, I think Nevada's going to have to play really well in the trenches. That's going to be a big question mark in this game. Wyoming is kind of the San Diego State version of the Mountain Division, so they're very tough uh, in the run game on both sides, both offensively and defensively. They can make some plays with the passing game, but that's really not their forte. Uh, I think Wyoming is going to score probably somewhere around 25, 30 points. The question for me is will we see the version of Nevada's offense uh, that we've seen in wins? In wins, Nevada's averaging about 33 points per game this, this season. In losses, they're only averaging six points per game. So it's kind of been a Jekyll and the Hyde thing. We'll see if Carson Strong can jolt this offense and get them back into the 20 to 30 point range that I think is going to be required for them to win this game. Wyoming favored by 14 and a half going into kickoff. You know, I look at this and, and you kind of go back to the Utah State game and, and what went wrong there. That opening drive, Nevada goes down the field. They get called for a false start on the goal line, push back five yards. You know, they have to settle for three points with Brandon Talton. And then the ensuing kickoff, they return for 100 yards and uh, they, they really couldn't pick up the pieces there afterwards. Something, though, that really stuck out for me in their match, they're averaging about 32 minutes of time of possession a game. And that is ranked 21st in the entire country this season. But I question, you know, what have they really done by holding the ball so much? Yeah. You know, they've gone to the red zone 23 times. They've scored 20 of those 23 times, and 10 of those have been off field goals. I know that there's been kind of a quarterback controversy early on this season, but, you know, what do you kind of assess from, from hearing a, a stat like that and knowing that, you know, Nevada really does need a quarterback to, to step up and kind of jolt yeah. this offense? I think time of possession can be a little bit overrated. Uh, when Oregon was at its heyday, they didn't possess the ball a lot because they scored in four, five, six plays, and they were really up-tempo. And I think that's kind of what Nevada wanted to do as an offense, is they wanted to be a quick-striking team, an up-tempo team, a team that struck with deep balls down the field, so they wouldn't be possessing the ball a lot. So I wouldn't read a lot into that number. I do think that Wyoming's going to come into this game, and they're going to try and possess the ball for a long time. They're a team that wants to run the ball. They want to limit the number of possessions. They want to win the turnover battle. Uh, so if Wyoming holds the ball for 37, 38, 39 minutes, that's probably going to be a good indicator that the Cowboys are going to win. Um, but I, I don't read too much into time of possession necessarily. The Utah State game was interesting because that first drive looked amazing. They were running the ball. They were throwing the ball. They took some deep shots. They get down to the one-yard line and then some penalties back them up and they probably should have scored a touchdown there. But then the next 11 possessions, they either go three and out or turn the ball over or they suffered one safety. So they went 11 straight possessions after that first drive without getting a first down. And that seems like that's been the issue with this team is when they get into a funk, when they have a couple of three and outs, it's hard for them to get a rhythm and get back out on the field and move the ball and help out the defense. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what we see from Carson Strong. That's my big question mark in this game because when we saw Carson play against Purdue, his first college start, he looked really, really good, and he has never been able to recapture that form, but he was injured during those games, and he said 
uh, this week that he's feeling like he's 100% again. So if we see the Carson Strong that we saw against Purdue in this Wyoming game, I think Nevada could have some success offensively. Um, but if we see the quarterback play that we've seen for the majority of the season, uh, Nevada is going to be, uh, you know, kind of uh, digging uphill just because uh, the quarterback play has not been good enough to beat quality teams. I mean, Nevada's teams that they have beaten are not quality teams outside of Purdue and even Purdue's two and five. So uh, if Carson can get back to playing at an above average level, I think Nevada has a chance. But we just haven't seen quality enough quarterback play to really put a lot of stock in believing that's going to happen in this game. I want to go back to something you said early on. You know, Nevada had those 11 straight drives where they just three and out, three and mm -hmm. out, three and out. They were four of 18 overall in third down, and they really have struggled with third down in their losses so far this season. But I think, like you said, it really goes down to the play of the quarterback, how much time this offensive line can give Carson Strong. And I know that we're also probably going to see Christian Solano in this matchup, a guy who really played well against UTEP, put his time in with this program, but, you know, has also been kind of banged up this season. I guess what does Christian Solano have to do as well to, to propel Nevada. Yeah, I mean, I think he should get a little bit more of an opportunity. I mean, I've kind of been on board right now with just going with Carson Strong for the rest of the season, but nothing that Christian has necessarily done this season should have eliminated him from contention for starting because the one time he did start against UTEP, he played really, really well. He did have one interception, but ran for 100 yards, was high efficiency in the passing game, and then we saw him get kind of thrown into the, the mix when they were already down really lopsidedly against Hawaii. It was a cold night. Uh, the team had kind of lost some of its you know energy and wasn't really playing as hard as it was at the beginning of the game. Uh, so I think you, you just look at that sample against Hawaii, and that's kind of been the reason he hasn't been able to get back out there on the field. So, uh, you know, Jay Norvell has not definitively said Carson Strong is going to start this game. He said that Carson and Christian are available probably in that order. So I would not say 100% that you're not going to see Christian Solano play a big role in this game. Uh, but he, he has the, the diversity of, of using his legs to make plays. And I think that's going to be needed in this game. If Nevada just lines up and tries to run straight forward against Wyoming, it's probably not going to work. For starters, Nevada has not been a very good run team. I mean, they're averaging less than three and a half yards per carry. Then you're going against the Wyoming defensive front that is 10th uh, in the nation in yards allowed uh, per carry at 2.8. Uh, so if Nevada thinks it's just going to line up and run right through Wyoming, that's not going to happen. So I think being able to do some more read option stuff with Christian Solano, which you don't really have in the playbook with Carson Strong, uh, would be something that the Wolfpack would be looking at going into this game. I also think you have to talk about penalties. Last game, they yeah. had 13 penalties for 110 yards, and you, you kind of look at that as just, you know, you're giving up so much real estate on the football field, you know, and you have to play a cleaner game. I know that nine of those were from the offensive line. Actually, eight of those for 60 yards are from the offensive line. And, you know, it's, it's really the whole as a team, I think, have to come together. But Wyoming's a really quality opponent, I would yeah. say, especially playing in their home field. I know that you've been to War Memorial Stadium. Crowds really jump out, and it, it's kind of a, a focal point, I guess, in that region. Um, what do you remember from War Memorial and, you know, Wyoming Actually, home? I got a nice day. Uh, so yeah. it's usually pretty cold there. I think, <laughs> so you're going, I think you're getting about 56 degrees. Mm -hmm. But I think the next day, the high is like 20. So, so you lucked out a little bit there. Uh, it is playing at altitude. I mean, it's not easy to play at 7,000-plus feet of elevation. So I think that's going to be a factor. I also think uh, Nevada going back on the road for a second straight week is going to be a factor. This is not a team that's played well on the road. So can they bring their best form when they're away from Mackey Stadium? Usually their marquee wins, their better wins have come at home. They've really only beaten one good team on the road in Jay Norville's three seasons. That was at Hawaii last year. That's the only team they've beaten that was above 500 
when they went on the road. So uh, it'll be curious to see if they can actually travel some some better play. Um, but for me, I, I just think that the, the trenches are going to be so huge in this game. I mean, Wyoming uh, has a very young offensive line, actually. You're talking about starting three sophomores and one uh, freshman on the offensive line. But they've been really stout in being able to run the ball almost six yards per carry. They haven't allowed very many sacks, only seven. But on the other hand, uh, they've, they've racked up 22 sacks. So this is a team that can get after the quarterback. Uh, Carson Strong, not the most mobile quarterback out there. He's more or less a pocket passer. So uh, Nevada's offensive line is going to have to play better than we've seen. And, and like you said, they, they can't have the turnovers. Whenever Nevada had a big play against Utah State, uh, a turnover killed them. And it was almost always from the offensive line. Like you can make some mistakes. Nobody's expecting you to be perfect, but just way too many uh, mental mistakes and way too many errors from the offensive line with the penalties. Uh, so Nevada really has to clean that up if it's going to have a chance against Wyoming because Wyoming's not a team that beats itself. It doesn't turn the ball over. It doesn't have a lot of penalties. It plays really smart. Uh, if Nevada does all of those things, maybe it has a chance, but it's just been too sloppy the last few weeks uh, to go into Wyoming and expect to win if they continue that style of play. Wyoming in their last four games, two and two with wins over U, uh, New Mexico, University of New Mexico, and UNLV. They lost to San Diego State and Tulsa. Uh, will be interesting to see how they, you know, regroup, go back home, and take on Nevada. Kickoff on this one set for 11 a.m. Pacific time. I'll be making the trip out with uh, Anthony Resnick, and uh, we'll have highlights and much more coming your way this weekend. But coming up. We're going to hit the pitch. Reno 1868 Football Club now knows their opponent in the opening round of the USL playoffs. They'll be playing the Sac Republic and we'll break that match down coming up. Welcome back to NSN Daily, and it's time to talk about one of my favorite subjects, Reno 1868 Football Club, back in the USL playoffs, third year in a row. I know that this is a development league, and you know a lot of guys come up and down from the San Jose Quakes. Uh, Chris, you've gotten a chance to see a couple of these matches. Just what's your impressions of this team? I mean, they should go out there and be one of the best teams in the playoffs. I mean, I think the expectation is, is that they at least get to the Western Conference uh, championship game against Phoenix Rising. Uh, and if you ask Ian Russell, uh, you know, even on the record, he'll tell you he thinks he has the best team in the USL. So I think anything short of at least getting to your conference championship and maybe even the USL championship, uh, I think would be a disappointment. And I think that's fair. I mean, they're the second-ranked team in the Western Conference. Uh, outside of really just one blip this season, uh, they have been tremendous. So uh, I think there's a, maybe a little bit more pressure on them this year. Uh, I think the first two years they were in the playoffs, they really didn't have the target on their back. Uh, you know, they went one and done in the first year. They did win a game uh, last year and then moved on and uh, lost in the semifinals. So, uh, you know, I think the expectations are really, really high as they should be. If they do beat Sacramento in this quarterfinal match, they get to play another uh, match at home. So everything is lined up for a deep run, but you got to go out there and, and do it. And it's always tough in a uh, winner out kind of elimination game. Yeah, that's the, the tricky part about that. Sac Republic this season, though, Reno has owned them to 2-0 in matches of that Donner Pass Derby. We actually had a chance to catch up with a couple of guys on playing the Republic for the third time this year. All right, Brent, uh, how excited are you guys just to finally get this going? Super excited. We've been talking about it all year, especially the guys that have been here for all three years about how we've been disappointed the last few years that we didn't make a, a good run in the playoffs. And this year we've got our sights set on winning a championship. So that's all we've been thinking about. And we're excited that the start of playoffs is here. Yeah, is it kind of just at this point, it, getting in isn't an accomplishment. It's, it's actually getting to the championship and, and bringing home a title. Yeah, exactly. And like, like we said earlier, it's 
we're not a first year team anymore. And like, like, like you said, it's, it's, we, we want to win a championship. Anything, anything less, we're going to be disappointed. So that's the only thing we're thinking about. How do you feel like the team is just kind of in form right now as you guys head into the postseason, couple wins on the road? What's the kind of confidence in the locker room right now? Yeah, getting a few wins under our belt right before playoffs is, de is definitely a good thing, especially getting a few shutouts as well. And we've had some, some issues from, in the year with leaving up goals when we shouldn't be. And so to have our, our last several games giving up no goals has been really good for us. What do you think has been the, the just the key to your recent success? Um, just just keeping the faith. I think a lot of guys like we we had a few rough patches in the season, but we we kept pushing and we kept the same attitude that we're here to win a championship. And I think that it's a long season, and we have a lot of guys that have a lot of experience. And you're going to go through patches in the season where it's not that great, but when you're playing your best soccer at the end of the year, that's where you want to be. Corey, uh, how exciting is it just to get to this part in the season? Uh, it's very exciting. I mean, we played 34 games to get to this moment, and we got a home playoff game. We're really excited to get that going. What makes you guys feel like this is the group and, and this is the time that this team can, can get to the, the championship and win it? I think we have a really good locker room, and that's been helping us on the road and everything, pick up big wins in that. So I think as, as a group, we're a good group together, and it shows on the field. What kind of mentality and what kind of effort it takes to get through and, and advance through a postseason and win a title? Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of work. I've done it one time way back in 2010 with the Wilmington Hammerheads, made it all the way to final. So um, the good locker room helps out a lot because um, just seeing the same guys every day after 10, 11 months, you never get tired of them. And it shows on the field that we just have a great group and we play well together. What's been the, the just the attitude like in practice and, and just the mentality of guys going into this thing? Oh, it's good. It's very competitive. Guys are still battling for spots and everything. So it's really good in training. Yeah, Corey Herzog with a monster season in his first year with Reno, 1868. 18 goals for this kid. He ties Dane Kelly for the franchise record. You know, looking at this matchup, though, Reno coming off back-to-back -back wins. Sac Republic, out of their last five matchups, only one win and one draw. They're coming mm -hmm. off two straight losses in a row. You have to think not only having home field advantage helps Reno, but just the momentum that they've been carrying over the last couple of weeks. Well, they've been in better form. I mean, you look at Sacramento's last six regular season games, only one win. Uh, you look at what Reno has done in October, they literally have not allowed a goal in October. So we always knew this team could score. I think the defense is kind of peaking. So everything is pushing uh, in Reno's favor, not to mention Sacramento had to play on Wednesday and Reno's been off for the week. So, uh, you know, that also should help. They should be more rested. They should be a little bit more energetic. Uh, there is the rivalry aspect, though. I mean, I would, I would say Sacramento is probably their top rival even above Las Vegas. Uh, they're probably going to bring a pretty decent supporter group as well. So uh, there is that thing that you have to throw in there as well is that these teams are rivals. So maybe does it bring the best out of Sacramento? But uh, since they've both been in the USL when Reno joined three years ago, I mean, Reno is 5-1-1 one, one against Sacramento in USL matches. Uh, haven't been as good in the U.S. Cups. Uh, Sacramento 3-0 over Reno in the U.S. Cups where you're not necessarily playing your full rosters at that point. So everything is pushing in, in Reno's favor to go out and, and get this victory on Saturday. But again, they have to go out there and do it. And th there's always a little bit extra pressure and maybe players react a little bit differently when that pressure is on in a playoff situation. You see, the last couple of years, and it's been interesting to watch just the growth of this team. Ian Russell in the first year, just making the playoffs was just such a, a huge win for the franchise and the program. And then last year, actually winning a playoff game, advancing a little bit further, and you know, just showing the expectations that this team has really had so far. This year, I mean, the most points in franchise history, the most goals. You have a phenomenal front, you know, with Corey Herzog, 18 goals so far this year. And they lock up the two seed. Phoenix Rising, though, in the USL Western Conference, this is a club that had 19 wins in a row. Not draws, 
None of that stuff. 19 wins, 78 points overall. They, they are just a monster and a titan, and I personally would love to see Reno match up with them for a third time this year and, and see what comes of that. I know that Reno's been swept by them, but that's, that's all hearsay. Yeah. That's all still a long ways away. We had a chance, though, to catch up with Ian Russell ahead of his third consecutive trip to the playoffs. All right, Ian, uh, what makes you think that this is the group that can get to a championship and take home a title? I think it's more, uh, obviously, we're scoring a lot of goals, but recently we've been uh, really not conceding many goals, a bunch of clean sheets, shutouts. So that's what you kind of need in the playoffs to, to make a run at it. Where do you see the focus of just the locker room and where these guys are at heading into the first game? Just motivated. Um, you know, we had a spell about two months ago where we were struggling. We had a couple really good heart-to-heart -heart talks in the locker room. And um, guys are motivated to, to win and, and, and fight. Yeah, Brent was saying, this being a mature group, you guys were, they were aware that ups and downs are going to come with the year, but it's important to peak now. Do you feel like that, that mentality kind of was over you guys the whole year to, to stay fresh and be ready for October? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a consistent year for us. Like I said, we did have one, one spell where we had some losses, but um, overall it's been a good group, good start to the season, and uh, we're finishing on a good note. We near the till end of the regular season. You guys talked about trying to nail down the two seed. You got it done. Potential of two matches here to open up a playoff run. What does that mean to you uh, that you got that seed that you wanted to get out to accomplish? The goal all year was to make the playoffs. As we got, you know, halfway through the season, I think the top four was was the goal. That means we host one game, and then as it really came down to it, um, we're like, hey, I think we can get the second seed, and um, you know, hopefully we get to use both home games. We, that means we're winning. So. Uh, it's pretty important. Played a home playoff match here two years ago. How much of a difference does that home crowd make in a playoff atmosphere? It's a big difference. Um, you always want to play for your fans. And it's not only that, you know, we're used to the field here. Um, there is altitude, so that helps us. Um, and it's about, you know, sleeping in your same bed the night before the game, eating your normal meals and, and just having to go at it. Do, do you think experience matters? The, the fact that you guys do have a ton of guys that have not only been to the playoffs with you, but have gone on to win titles with other teams? I think for sure uh, playoff experience matters. Um, I know the first year here, you know, we had a, a bunch of guys that hadn't really been in the playoffs. And we had a good team. We ended up losing in the first round. But now it's, it's been three years of this. We've gotten a couple guys from other teams that have made the playoffs. So uh, I think that can be a good factor going into it. Do you feel like anything short of getting to, to a USL championship would be disappointing for you? I think as, for a coach, it's always, you know, you, you want to win the whole thing every year. Um, but uh, I think, you know, you take what, what comes. I think we have a good chance of, of getting there. Um, but we need to just perform and uh, be ready to go. And knowing the opponent or not knowing the opponent, does that make a difference? It didn't sound like it with the other guys. Not really. Um, we played each, each of those teams, whatever three it's going to be, twice already this year. Um, so it's just a matter of uh, tweaking a few things, usually defensively, um, and then uh, getting ready to go. Reno taking on Sac Republic Saturday, 5.30 p.m. match time. We'll be airing it live here on Nevada Sportsnet with Alex Margulies on the call. Should be a lot of fun. Can't uh, talk enough about how much you know great playoff soccer is in the biggest little city. Uh, I'm sure to tune into that one. Coming up, though, the Mountain West Football Championship will have to go through Los Angeles. We have a preview of the L.A. Bowl next. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Back to college football. 
We talked about the Mountain West Championship actually being on the home site of the Mountain West leader, but the actual winner of that would go to the LA Bowl, something that's new and exciting. I mean, I'm from Los Angeles, so I, <laughs> so I love more stadiums, right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess. So yeah, so how it's going to work, uh, starting in 2020, the Mountain West uh, lost the Las Vegas Bowl, which was a big loss because that's always against a Pac-12 opponent. You always want to play Power 5 opponents in bowl games, uh, but they were able to add in 2020 the Los Angeles Bowl, so that will debut next season. Uh, it's going to be, again, the Mountain West against the Pacific 12. Uh, and I think it's actually probably a better bowl. I mean, specifically for Nevada. Nevada loves to recruit in Southern California. So if you can go into a household and tell a kid that, hey, if we go out and win the Mountain West Championship, we're going to go play in literally the stadium that the Raiders and the Chargers play in. The place that's going to hold 80,000, 90,000 people. You can play in your hometown. It can be a great homecoming for you. So uh, I think it's a huge get. I mean, because they had lost that Las Vegas Bowl and they didn't really have a replacement. So that's going to be one of six bowls for the Mountain West starting in 2020. Uh, so that's a, an achievable goal for Nevada. If they ever get out there and win a Mountain West championship, they can play in a really marquee bowl. And it, it won't be against the Pac-12's top opponent, but it'll probably be, you know, either their fourth or fifth ranked team coming out of the, the Pac-12 every single year. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a really fun bowl. It's in a huge market. So uh, I think it was a really good get for the Mountain West. We had a chance to look inside of this bowl from the Mountain West Network. Starting in 2020, the Mountain West will send its football champion to the inaugural Los Angeles Bowl, a brand new experience and partnership that will elevate the Mountain West to new heights. The premier entertainment venue in the world will soon be home to Mountain West football. What a phenomenal building it's going to be, Southern California, it's a destination. And for us to host a bowl game there and, and be part of the initial process, it's going to be a great opportunity. An incredibly dynamic project. SoFi Stadium Managing Director Jason Gannon presented the vision for college football's newest bowl game at the annual Mountain West meetings in October, held at the conference offices in Colorado Springs. And as we think about partnering with conferences and schools, that really are on the forefront of exciting college football. Uh, we think of Mountain West, and we couldn't be more excited to, to host their number one school each year uh, at the Los Angeles Bowl in, in Los Angeles. The annual bowl game will not only deliver a world-class stage for the teams, but a one-stop shop for the ultimate fan experience. It really has shown that we're kind of at the apex of collegiate athletics. When you're able to play in a state-of-the-art facility, a facility that really will, will command uh, all the amenities that you would want to see for your student athletes, your fans, your community, and then to be able to do that in Los Angeles, uh, you know, one of the, just the epicenter of entertainment. Uh, I feel as though it just speaks so well to where we're going and, and the magnitude of kind of what this league is all about. I think Stan Kroenke and his vision to deliver a global sports entertainment destination on the 300 acres, which is so incredibly unique at Hollywood Park and SoFi Stadium. Not only the stadium itself, there's a 6,000 seat performing arts venue, there's retail, there's office, there's residential, over 25 acres of parkland at Hollywood Park all for, for the Mountain West Conference and its member institutions to activate and be a part of, uh, again, Stan Kroenke's vision to build something incredibly unique uh, right in the heart of Los Angeles. It makes it more than a football game. I mean, you've got a stadium now that's experiential, and that's important. People don't just go and watch games anymore. They want the experience that comes along with it. SoFi Stadium will soon be home to a Super Bowl, a college football national championship game, and the Olympic Games all after the Mountain West takes center stage in the first ever Los Angeles Bowl. Amongst the ADs, I, said, I was sitting next to Kurt at the time. I said to him, Kurt, 
we got to make this successful. This is a wonderful opportunity for to grow the Mountain West brand. We have to invest in this and make this. We got to get people there. The Mountain West will score off with a team from the Pac-12 in the first ever Los Angeles Bowl in 2020. This feature has been brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of the Mountain West. From the Mountain West Network Studio, I'm Jesse Kurtz. Thank you for that, Jesse. And I have to say, I, I love this for a couple of reasons. One, it's in my hometown. Got to <laughs> love Los Angeles in a number of reasons. Two, it's great for the Mountain West and for Nevada, like you were saying, just recruiting and, and everything moving forward and you know looking at other potential bowl games the famous Idaho Bowl versus the MAC in 2020 New Mexico Bowl versus uh, Comp USA and New Mexico and the Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl that uh, Nevada's owned the past couple of years <laughs> Chris uh, I know it's a little early on this one still a lot of recruiting and a lot of you know, things to happen, but uh, where do you see Nevada in 2020 bowl? Well, I think the, the key is to get up to the upper tier bowls. So you mentioned some of them, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, the New Mexico Bowl, the Arizona Bowl, the Hawaii Bowl. Those are all bowls Nevada has played in before. And it's not a bad thing to go play in those bowls, but those are the lower echelon bowls in the Mountain West. So can they get to the Los Angeles Bowl against a marquee opponent in the entertainment capital of the world? Can they get to a newly created bowl that they're going to have in 2020 in Dallas that they haven't named yet? probably against a better opponent. Can they get to the New Year's Six Bowl that Jay Norvell has said publicly that he believes Nevada can get to? I think that is the big question mark for this team is can they build a championship program, get to a marquee bowl against marquee opponents? And I think that's what you need to do to excite the Wolfpack fan base. I was actually looking at the attendance, the national attendance figures yesterday, uh, and Nevada ranks in the bottom 10 of 130 FBS teams in attendance. So I think it needs a jolt like that, like we saw with going to the Craft Fight Hunger Bowl in San Francisco in the 2010 season uh, to really get the fan base back on the bandwagon and get them really excited again. So more than likely, they're probably going to end up in those second-tier bowls, but if they could get the Los Angeles or a Fiesta Bowl or this Dallas Bowl, uh, I think that would be a really nice and needed shot in the arm for this program and for the fan base. Also just want to sidebar this in a lot of ways. I know the Chargers are moving into this <laughs> new stadium. But if they would just relocate back to San Diego, I think a lot of Angelinos would really appreciate that one. But we will see as time moves on. Hey, coming up, it is Thursday night's version of Friday Night Rivals as Spanish Springs takes battle with Reno High School. We'll have a preview of that matchup and much, much more on the way. Welcome back to NSN Daily. It's a Thursday night edition of Friday Night Rivals tonight because of Nevada Day on Friday. We're all going to take the day off, right? Sounds like a, a great idea. Uh, Nevada, though, excuse me, not Nevada, Reno, uh, taking on the Spanish Springs Cougars. And this is for the High Desert Championship um, high school football. Not yeah. typically something that you venture out to. <laughs> very often, but pretty big matchup, I'd say. No, it's a really big matchup. I mean, Reno's only lost one game this entire season. It was to Damani Ranch, but Damani Ranch is over on the other side in the Sierra League. So uh, both teams come into this undefeated in the high desert. Spanish Springs has been on a roll. They've won five in a row. I think Spanish Springs is rightfully the favored uh, team going into this game, but Reno picked up a really big win over Reed last week, so I would not be shocked if they beat Spanish Springs. They're, they're certainly capable. They have Drew Werthern, who is probably the Northern 4A player of the year. So it should be a really good match 
matchup and uh, a chance to really see who shakes ahead in the High Desert League. Uh, I think Spanish Springs is probably going to be the team that comes out on top. But we've already seen a number of upsets so far this mm -hmm. prep season with uh, Bishop Minogue losing some games you wouldn't think they would have. Uh, so we will see uh, tonight exactly what happens. Yeah, it feels very open this season, to say the least, in the 4A. Reno coming off a 27-24 win over Reed. They have a four-game winning streak, and we caught up with the Huskies ahead of their matchup against the Cougars. I think that's what our whole regular season is, is an opportunity to gear up for playoffs. Um, this one has huge playoff implications because it uh, district championships on the line. Um, obviously, Spanish Springs does a great job. They've gone a different route in playing, going out and finding the best that they can play in the Deloros and the Mon uh, Monterey Trails and uh, really, really getting battle tested on the front end. We've kind of done a crescendo where we're getting stronger and stronger as we go. And so uh, different roads to Rome, but it'll be exciting uh, Thursday night. Um, game for us and uh, you know we're excited to see where we are just like we were last week see what you know it's a good test it's a good checkup so um, it's uh, it's a good prelude to playoffs but also it's an opportunity to dictate at least where the home game is going to be and uh, how we can do. What would you say are going to be the biggest keys to beating Spanish Springs? Um, they got a really good quarterback so we got to limit that um, on the defensive side of the ball they're pretty sound but we just got to do what we've been doing and I think we'll be good. What do you think's just been working so well for you guys these past few weeks in league play? I think our offensive line's been doing really well. They've been getting our running game going, and then our pass protection's been great. Um, our defense has been pretty solid. Um, big wins against Hug, and then that last week we had a pretty good win. Um, but yeah, that was pretty good. Reno taking on Spanish Springs. Looking at Springs in this one, they're coming off a 42 to nothing win over Hug. They are 5-0 and in their last five matchups. Jackson LeDuc is looking healthier. Um, just... What do you see from Spanish Springs? So I mean, they're the best passing team in the Northern 4A. I mean, a lot of these teams are ground-oriented. They have the best uh, quarterback in Jack Franz, and then they have the top two wide receivers uh, as well. So that, that's a huge advantage. Reno is more a team that wants to pound you with the run game. They want to keep the ball on the ground. They want to be physical. So it is a, a clash of styles, uh, you know, a little bit. Uh, I do think Spanish Springs is the more talented team, probably the team that's going to come out with the win. But uh, we'll see if Reno can, can uh, spring the upset. I mean, I think they've already upset a number of teams so far this season. I don't think anybody had them being seven and one with two games left in the regular season. So they've been able to, uh, you know, turn some heads and change some uh, preseason predictions. So we'll see if they're able to do that in this one. Uh, and Spanish Springs closes with two tough games. They have Reed uh, next week as well. So Reno and Reed heading into the playoffs. Uh, if they win both of those games, I think you have to say that Spanish Springs is the team to beat when we come playoff time. But uh, they're going to have a couple of tests before they get to the postseason. Yeah, Husky's definitely turning some heads. I said at the beginning of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Spanish Springs and Bishop Minogue. Springs actually topped Minogue about three weeks ago. Uh, but we had a chance to catch up with the Cougars ahead of their matchup against the Reno Huskies. We're still far from where we need to be in terms of our execution. Um, you know, that we, when we want to be, we can be a really good football team. And when we do things the way that we're coached to do and, and the way that we talk about doing them, uh, we feel like we're a really tough team to beat. And we saw that this last week, and, and now it's, you know, a lot tougher team that we're playing this week in, in Reno in terms of, you know, they won seven football games. They got a lot of good players and a lot tougher challenge, so that's part of it this week. 7 o'clock kickoff tonight. If you want to check that out on Nevada Sportsnet, Shannon Kelly will be on the sidelines, and at 11 o'clock on News 4, we'll have a full highlight recap show for that one. Also, high school 
Moving on to Soccer Sparks High School is our Athlete of the Week, and they have been tremendous this season. Uh, one of the best, not only the North, but the Silver State. A bunch of athletes, Athletes of the Week. Athletes. Uh, so well, they're looking for their third state championship to close out this decade. They won one in 2011 at the 3A level. They won one in 2016. Uh, Southern teams have won the last two, but I think they might be able to get back into the state championship game and win it this week. So they've been really, really strong uh, so far this decade. Uh, really, since they dropped down to the 3A, they've kind of been the team to beat at that level. Uh, certainly become a soccer school so very deserving of this honor and hopefully they can make it to the state championship and, and close out the decade in style. Shannon Kelly caught up with our Athletes of the Week sponsored by the Dolan Auto Group. Our Dolan Athlete of the Week sends us out to Sparks as the Railroaders boys soccer team is having a stellar season. Sparks is currently unbeaten sitting at 18-0-1 with just a few league games left. They've already clinched a league title. The boys currently rank first in the 3A and sixth place overall in the Silver State. Uh, taking a loss at state uh, in the semifinals in a golden goal, you know, we weren't used to not bringing home hardware. Um, by all means, you know, it was a successful season, but by our standards, it definitely wasn't. Uh, and so I think these guys took it to heart and they've uh, really embraced that, you know, goal for themselves to want to do something special this year. So, you know, we talked to them all the time about aiming for greatness and wanting to be great. Um, but this year we talked about being perfect because um, even if we don't end up perfect, at least, you know, hopefully we end up at some sort of greatness. And that's something that I stress to them, you know, not just on the soccer field, but anywhere in the classroom at home, um, you know, in the community, like I tell them, you know, if you're always aiming to try to be perfect, we know we're not going to be perfect. Uh, but if we're able to be or, or at least strive to be, then maybe we'll end up in greatness and that's a good place to be. So what do you think has just been working so well for you guys this whole season? Uh, just the dedication that the team has put in and our coach motivating us to keep on getting better. I think the biggest message is to stay disciplined and work hard and really work towards the things we want to work towards. He always says seniors, we, we don't get no next year. So it's definitely like um, that's another type of motivation that we get. It's our last year and we hope to um, motivate our younger classmen like to don't don't wish that oh we still got a, ne a next year when it's my last year um, we just work hard and hopefully to win it all so the railroaders host incline for senior night on october 29th with playoffs just a few weeks away sparks hasn't missed a state tournament since 2009 and after falling to western in the state semifinals last year the guys will look to make it even further this season Reporting at Sparks High School, I'm Shannon Kelly. All right, Chris, I got to ask, how good are these guys? <laughs> so they've played 19 matches, as Shannon said, 18-0-1. Uh, they've won all of their matches, all 18 of those, by at least two goals. They've scored 73 goals, only allowed 10 goals. So they are by far the best team in the 3A. The only kind of hiccup is they tied Lowry 1-1 to a couple of weeks ago. But, I mean, they go into the state championship the heavy favorite. If they do what they've done during the regular season, they will be bringing a state championship back to Sparks High School. Maybe Ian Russell needs to start plucking some guys <laughs> from Sparks High School. Kevin Partita, a yeah, there, you go. there we go on that. Uh, but more coming up. Nevada Volleyball still off to a very hot start. We have a package on Kayla Afoa right after the break. Welcome back to NSN Daily, brought to you by the Dolan Auto Group. Switching gears back up to campus now. Nevada Volleyball off to a great start this year, 14-6 and six overall. We had a chance to catch up with one of the team stars, Kayla Afoa, as seen on this week's Wolfpack All Access. Who else but Kayla Afoa to go back to serve for Nevada? Wolfpack up to 14-12. Afoa, that's going to be a service ace, and that will wrap things up. 
What else did you expect on that one? She definitely leads by example. That's her persona. She's a hard worker. Um, she is, you know, just going to grind it out. Whether she's having a, her best game or not, she's never going to show it. You know, she has a good poker face. She's a great role model, and, and I think she kind of shows you how it can be done. We have different types of leaders on this team. It shows the, the quieter players that, hey, there's a, a way to do this, to lead without having to be the real loud vocal one. You just have to be strong in what you believe and, and talk to your teammates about it. A three-time Mountain West Player of the Week and an all-conference player. Standing at five foot nine is Hawaii native Kayla Afoa, who picked up the game of volleyball at just 10 years old. For tournaments, we came a lot. Um, we came to Reno twice, I believe, for club. Um, and I didn't even really know that like this was here. I didn't know much about University of Nevada at all. So. But previous coaches and teammates who grew up on the island helped recruit the three-sport athlete to play volleyball for the silver and blue. Just on my visit, it just felt natural. Like, it was a cool place, small town, but big at the same time. It was like a home away from home, I guess. When we recruited her, she might be a libero. Hey, she's small. Can she play front row in a, a D1 school? I don't know. She's not tall at all. You see her walking down the street, you think that's not a, you know, all-conference volleyball player right there. Um, but then you get to see her on the court, how explosive she is, how hard she works. She proved to us pretty quickly that she could be a, a front row player, and, and now she's really one of the anchors to this team. Helping guide the Wolfpack to their best season so far since 2001. I think we're doing very well together. Our chemistry is much better. The culture is much better. Our mindset overall uh, as a team together is just much better than it was in the past. But Afoa doesn't just shine on the hardwood. The junior would soon find her way back onto the track, competing in the high jump and long jump. It gives me some time to get away from volleyball for a little bit um, and just focus on myself more so. Um, and also it helps me get in shape with like different parts of my body that I'm not using so much in volleyball. Um, so that definitely helps to transfer over back to volleyball when I'm running more and jumping more in track. Taking that edge back onto the court as the pack looks to break more records this year. For Wolfpack All Access, I'm Shannon Kelly. Great work there, Shannon. Nevada Volleyball 14-6 and six overall on the season. They're on the road right now, going to take on Wyoming tonight and then cruise on over to Fort Collins to take out on Colorado State. Uh, what's impressed you about Kayla Foa? Well, just that she stuck through it. We've seen a number of players from the volleyball roster transfer over the last couple of years, and there's been some down times. She's a junior. She's gone through the struggles, and now she's gotten off to a really good start with this team. Now they're going through some struggles again. They've lost three straight home matches. They were 14-3 and three to start the season, lost three in a row. They're playing Wyoming and Colorado State next. Those two teams have combined to go 15-1 and one Mountain West play. So you could see a five-game losing streak coming up here, and will she, as one of the veterans of the team, be able to rally them out of that and be able to end the season on a high note? That would be the big question. But I just like the stick to with Kayla that, you know, she could have maybe left four different pastures just because they, she had a couple of rough seasons, but she hasn't done that. She's stuck with it. She's uh, helped Nevada get back to a higher level in the Mountain West, and hopefully next year, her senior season, uh, she's able to lead them to maybe a championship uh, kind of season. So, um, you know, I, I always love when people, when adversity strikes, they don't transfer. You see that so much uh, nowadays. 
uh, among kids who you know go to college and if things aren't working out either for them personally or for the team uh, they look to go to another school that hasn't been the case with Kayla clearly as you saw in that package she really loves uh, northern Nevada and the Reno area and her classes and all that kind of stuff so uh, that's probably my favorite thing about her story is that she has just had that stick that is a little bit more rare nowadays than it's been in the past gotta appreciate it too you know Nevada volleyball with a really rough season last year they're very young to begin with they have the success early on this year and you, know, you got to tip your cap to a player like that who, who stuck through it and just knows the grind of it all and you know has seen a little bit of success early on this year I'm sure going into her senior year she'll you know be embracing these you know sophomores and freshmen that are a little more developed at this point but yeah as you were saying you know the Wyoming and Colorado State stretch you know Colorado State was in the top 25 earlier this year they've kind of been teetering back and forth with that one and definitely a, a class team out of the Mountain West but it should be fun to see what's going on up at the Virginia Street Gym. Coming up though we have much much more to talk about in our final thoughts including the World Series and a pretty bold take that might be paying off for Chris Murray. Welcome back to NSN Daily, brought to you by the Dolan Auto Group. We're in our last segment, and kind of just flew by today. Uh, I want to bring up something, though, that we were talking about earlier in the week before the World Series even started. And, in fact, let's just play that clip to start this out. And now they'll be rested. I don't think you want to be True. rested as a hitter, but, but as, as a, a pitching pitcher, staff. It's good. Yeah, I think they, they're fully lined up. They can go Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. Uh, you look at the betting odds. They're the uh, Astros are the biggest betting favorites in a World Series mm. since the Red Sox beat the Rockies in 2004. Wow. I don't see the series that lopsided. I do think the Astros will win. But if I were betting on this, I would put a lot of money on the Nationals because I think it's a lot more even than you would think. All right. Garrett Cole was playing out of his mind at this point. Justin Verlander looked pretty unstoppable. The Astros in general offensively were just lighting up teams. Um, but is this just a case of right team of destiny at the right time coming together? It was just a case of me knowing exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I actually didn't put any money on it, but I wish I would have. I mean, they were minus 300 odds. So if you put $100 down on the Nationals, you're getting 400 back. Uh, and it's looking good so far. I don't know. I mean, there obviously there's some team of destiny going on. But if you look since May, they've been right alongside the Dodgers and the Astros, the best team in baseball. They got off to a horrible start, but they turned things around in May. They got a little bit more healthy and they've been spectacular since then. And they have the pitching. I mean, it comes down to pitching in the postseason. Uh, and while Scherzer and Strasburg have not been 100% lights out, it's not like they're shutting out the Astros, they are really limiting those potent bats. So I think, uh, you know, the combination of those two and now they have Patrick Corbin, uh, you know, third uh, and Anibal Sanchez fourth in the rotation, it's just a really deep, good pitching team and the bullpen has pitched a lot better in the playoffs. So it made a lot of sense to make that bet, even though I did say uh, during that segment that the Astros would probably win. Uh, so far, so good for those who took my advice, if there are any people out there. I think it's just crazy, you know. The Astros just look so dominant. I thought whoever was going to come out of the American League was going to win it all. But for the Nationals to take not one but two games yeah. in Houston is huge. I think that they will have to see Garrett Cole again at some point, possibly Verlander. But it's just been really impressive. I I'm also happy, you know, I know the Nationals <laughs> beat the Dodgers, and I'm still grieving about it. I know yes. you're grieving about this in a lot of ways. Uh, but that was the best series so far, I think, yeah. throughout the entire MLB playoffs. Hopefully the Nationals sweep through the World Series, and we can say the Dodgers are the only team to beat the Nationals in the playoffs because they have been outstanding. They win the wild card game, which they probably should have lost if not for an error. shows you how crazy baseball is. They sweep the NLCS. Potentially they sweep the World Series, and we can at least say, well, our Dodgers beat them twice and really should have beat them in Game 5 if Dave Roberts managed a little bit better.
I'm just sad that we're here as Dodgers fans <laughs> and not celebrating a third consecutive World Series berth. But that will do it for us today on NSN Daily. For Chris Murray, I'm Julian Delgadio. We're going to take a 23-hour break and see you back here tomorrow.